0: Welcome to the Entrepreneur Exchange on the Mesh Podcast Network, a monthly conversation about startups and small business with ideas, tools, and advice to operate your business more effectively. On today's show, we're all adapting to a new way to work using Zoom, Weget, WebEx, Google Meetings, all sorts of stuff to talk with our customers, coworkers, our drinking buddies. You think you know what you're doing, but you're probably not always doing it right. We'll share the ways that you've been annoying your coworkers, or we'll give you some ways to start annoying your co-workers. Businesses are opening across the country and we're going to talk about how you can be getting your business open safely. Our guest today is Lindsay Kiesler, president and CEO of the Chamber of Catawba County. She's helped create a safe and open playbook to help area businesses reopen while minimizing the risk of spreading COVID-19 mm-hmm. and instilling confidence in customers. And finally, We'll share our Small Business of the Month, where we'll highlight some interesting businesses that you should be checking out. My name is Jeff Neuville, I'm your co-host and director of the Small Business Center at Catawba Valley Community College in Hickory, North Carolina. I'm joined by my co-host Gary Muller, who is Dean of the School of Workforce Productivity and the Arts at Catawba Valley Community College. Gary, how's it going today?
1: Jeff, good to hear from you. It's uh, going extremely well. It's been a exciting and crazy week here in the School of Workforce Development and the Arts at CVCC.
0: Well, you're, you're, starting to, you're starting to find some ways to bring small groups of students back on campus. How is that going?
1: It is going extremely well. As I say to Dr. Henshaw every day, so far, so good. Uh, well, our students have reacted fantastic. They've come back with a lot of enthusiasm. They've been willing to follow our tight uh, safety protocol rules, and our faculty have done an outstanding job. And we're offering classes, obviously, in the Workforce Solutions Complex. We're getting about 140 to 150 students a day here. But it's an 80,000-square-foot facility, so we have a lot of uh, room for social distancing. And then we're in three different high schools with our welding programs, and then we're also in our Alexander uh, welding facility, too. So uh, we're spread across uh, two counties, and uh, we're getting about 200 students when you add up all the facilities, so we're excited about it. So far, so good, as I'll say.
0: Well, well, when when Lindsay joins us, uh, we can we can talk about a lot of the things that every organization is having to consider as they as they reopen and uh, uh, some some steps for doing it in a safe manner. Uh, yeah, that's
1: a, a key for us. And Dr. Henshaw has led the charge with me and our faculty to make sure. i just going to sound corny, but it's true: safety first. And that's the most important thing, and uh, we work really hard with other folks across our campus to make sure that we're doing that.
0: So, Gary, I came across an interesting article uh, on CNET about annoying things people do while they're on Zoom meetings or webinars. And, And I thought I would share them with our listeners so that maybe they could avoid doing them. Number one, be careful of this, typing or otherwise being noisy while not on mute. Who would
1: do a thing like that? Never happens. Never happens? Happens all the time. Of course, you know that with our school, we do WebExes uh, multiple times a week, actually multiple times a day. And we have to remind folks that, you know, we're looking at our computers and or using it, uh, our computers as our outline for the meeting. So we have to be careful that uh, we do things a little bit differently or be careful because they can hear us typing in the background.
0: Well, and, and, and uh, our small business center puts on a lot of webinars and things. And, and, you know, if you've got 10 or 15 people that are in a meeting, inevitably, there's somebody who has something going on in the background or forgot that they didn't mute themselves and are having a phone conversation or something. So, you know, you know, be careful about that, that, that background noise.
1: I think that'll be one of the skills that we all get better at as we uh, move forward in the new normal.
0: Other thing to be careful about, eating and drinking while you're on WebEx. If, if people are watching you and you've got, uh, and you're eating your sandwich, probably not a good thing to do. And I must admit, I, I guzzle a lot of coffee during uh, during the morning hours at least. So I, I'm probably doing that on, on WebEx. I hope I haven't offended you.
1: Of course, you know what I do. I've got my 32 ounce Coke sitting in front of me, 24/7. So, uh, of course, we talk a lot. So I use that to kind of make sure I keep my mouth uh, moist, so I don't dry up when I'm talking. But I I need to be more careful with that too.
0: All right, be careful about looking at your phone or laptop. You know that can, that can be rude. You know, so so if you're on if you're on your WebEx meeting, you're on your Zoom meeting, you wanna you wanna be attentive. So. So you don't. Like don't to be, into our
1: Regular communication of trying to being attentive so that the people that are talking to you know that you're focused on them versus other things.
0: Another annoying thing, people sort of get up and leave the frame without explaining why. You know, they're all of a sudden they're there and then they're gone. You know, if you're going to if you're going to get up and say, hey, excuse me a minute, I need to go get something. Don't just disappear.
1: Sounds like you're talking you've uh Making observations of my webexes.
0: Well, you 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 seem to stay there. I don't know. I guess maybe some other people leave. I don't know, but uh, you seem to do this. But here's one that you should you should worry about: your camera angle. Don't don't make sure your camera angle is not at a weird position, or it's going to be a lot of nose hair. So you want to be careful about that. You know.
1: Thanks often, a lot, Jeff. Often,
0: you know, people yeah. are using their computers and they're at a lower angle, looking up at you.
1: Now you, I'm really going to be self-conscious when we have a camera.
0: Well, I, I counted your nose here. They're very minimal, so don't worry well, about it. I
1: appreciate that. It. I do work hard at that part, but you know, I do have multiple screens like many of us do, and so I'm looking at my outline on one screen and my camera from my computer is coming from another, so I am trying to work on that, although it is that my profile is better than the other so- side. You have
0: an outstanding profile.
1: I'm just saying it's better than face face. Okay, <laughs> uh, and that's my story, and I'm sticking to it.
0: The last annoying thing is just uh, people that wait until they get on the call to figure out any of the technical things. You know, you should, you know, you, you know, we 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 sort of got on our call a little bit early today just to sort of run through things with our our fine friends at the mesh. Uh, you know, so so do a little prep on the tech end before you just hop on your, your video call and your video meeting. So those are those are some of the annoying things that people should be thinking about as they go forward.
1: Well, I think that's, a lot of these things are good for all of our meetings and getting ready for them, but I think it's certainly even more important now because WebEx or Zoom or Zencastr, uh, all those things, we, we're using a lot of different things, even though they're similar. They may have a few different things we need to tweak to make sure that uh, we're set up for our meetings on time.
0: Yeah. Well, anyway, I, I I think that we're all sort of recognizing that although things are starting to reopen, that the, some things have shifted, some things have changed. I think we're probably recognizing that uh, uh, webinars and computer meetings are something that even when things re- go back to some sense of normalcy, there, there are ways that we can, Beat more effectively and efficiently, and uh, they'll probably be with us uh, for a while. So, so I,
1: I certainly agree with that. I mean, we use uh, WebEx or Zoom or whatever ZenCaster on a regular basis now, and we're going to be more efficient uh, doing things and with our meetings than we were before uh, the last three months.
0: Well, anyway, those are some hints for our our listeners out there, but. Uh, well, we have a guest with us today, so let's uh, let's bring, uh, let's bring our guest in. Lindsay Keesler. Uh, Lindsay, you out there?
2: I'm here. Thanks for having me guys.
0: Right. Well welcome to the Entrepreneur Exchange. Lindsay is the president and CEO of the uh, Catawba County Chamber of Commerce, headquartered here in Hickory, North Carolina. Uh, she really has a, a commitment and a passion for small business and entrepreneurship. She is a certified Ice House Entrepreneurial Mindset Program Facilitator. She is a certified chamber executive, and uh, she was also named uh, as one of the 40 Under 40 Association of Chamber of Commerce Executives in 2019, which is a uh, uh, an award that highlights the, the brightest men and women in the chamber industry that are under the age of 40. And, and gosh, Lindsay, you might still be eligible for that award. Last time I checked.
2: Yes. Just had a birthday and still eligible.
0: Well, congratulations on, on both. All <laughs> congratulations. <we> have, so. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thanks
1: for us today.
0: Well, we, we, we appreciate you being with us and um, you know, we, we want to talk about the, uh, the work that you're doing with our local businesses to help get them open. But, but also I, just from, you know, you run an organization that's been impacted by uh, the pandemic and, and you've had to do some working from home. You know, how is, how is uh, your, your organization, the chamber dealing with the, the coronavirus and how are you adapting to
1: it?
2: Absolutely guys, this, none of us have a, have a guidebook and I think we wish we all did, on how to navigate or how to lead through a pandemic, uh, such as what we've been through in the last 10 weeks. And and you're right, our worlds all immediately were disrupted and turned turned sideways. Um, we had the best strategic plan for the year, which was completely thrown out the window, at least um at least in the in the immediate time um, to be able to respond to to this crisis. So, but you know, as as a chamber, <laughs> this is what we're here for, right? This is this is why we exist is to tackle the most critical issues impacting business on our community, and um, so something this significant is is exactly exactly. The, the true value and relevance of an organization like ours. Um, so you're right, Jeff. Um, we are an organization in our own right. So we have 800, around 850, what we call shareholders and investors or businesses that partner with us and invest in our mission. We have our own programming that our partners rely on us for, um, most of which is reliant upon physical gatherings Right. Um, but then we have this whole robust program of work behind the scenes that we're con- you know, every day we're focused on on behalf of business in our community. Um, so but when the when COVID-19 hit, it hit all of a sudden, right, within hours and every hour, everything was changing. And um, we were a triage center for business crisis, much like you, Jeff, I know, Um Really, all of us have been on the front lines of business. You know, healthcare has been on the front lines of fighting the pandemic. We've been on the front lines of assisting businesses in crisis, um, from providing them information to helping launch initiatives like we're going to talk about, as an example, the Open and Safe campaign to assist them in communicating their new normal to their customers and also to their employees. So we have been extremely active. Uh, we have been, we've tried to be proactive and lead the business community through uh, what is so murky and cloudy and um, completely ambiguous, um, this ambiguous time for our business partners. And really, um, I also want to mention, it's not just our partners. Uh, we have truly been inclusive, an inclusive resource to all businesses through, um, the, especially through the last 10 to 12 weeks. Um, but that's, that's a little bit about how we've responded, but like you said, we've also completely pivoted all of our internal programs to the virtual space and figuring out how we can continue to be a platform for connectivity, how we can continue empower, to empower people and help them develop professionally. Um, and, also, continue to advocate on for a public policy perspective on behalf of our partners.
0: Well, and and that's and and you have an organization with uh, people that work there at the chamber, and and I'm I'm assuming that you guys have sort of had to adapt to a new normal as well, and and uh, sort of have some sort of combination of working from home, working from the office. How are, how are you guys doing with that?
2: Yeah, so good point. We've got seven team members, I have 17 members on my staff and we have uh, immediately we closed our office to the public uh, within a couple of days um, because we also are a North Carolina authorized visitor center. So we have people that stop in from all over the place. So we automatically just to protect our team closed our doors to the public. Um, we began with staggered schedules and then we actually were completely remote. Um, So every everybody on our team, thankfully, we were equipped to uh, to work remotely anyway. So we were able to do that very quickly. Um, So that's that's how we've been operating for the last, let's say, 10 weeks now Uh, we have we are in the process of writing our own reopening guidelines so that we can ensure the safety of you know of everybody within our office we also have tenants that are in our building that we need to be mindful of and very intentional about creating practices that um that keep them safe and then two going forward all of our programming we're evaluating you know can we have gatherings in the future we've got large events that are on our calendar towards the end of the year You know, what do those look like? Um, Should we transition those to virtual? Could we have a hybrid approach, virtual and personal? Um, But Because like I said, I mean, our partners rely on us uh, for that interaction, for the information. But we're just trying to think outside the box and think differently on how we can continue to operate and deliver value, but just in a new way.
0: Well, I, I know that you and other chamber leaders have have really spent a lot of time developing guidelines to help businesses reopen. And as you as you've looked at that and gone through it, you know, I think we all recognize that as states reopen, just just because businesses are allowed to reopen, there are things that they have to be doing before they actually should reopen. So, what are, what are some of the critical elements that businesses should be thinking about and incorporating into their reopen plans as they as they, uh, get ready to open their doors.
2: Yes, uh, Jeff. Yeah, thanks for that. I, I think there's there's been so much focus on when that I think a lot of times, um, it, until the last three weeks, I would say businesses are shifting focus on how they can open. And to your point, everything about how we, how we operate and how we function as businesses is going to have to change uh, for at least the foreseeable future in order to avoid any future economic disruption and in order to protect our employees so they don't get sick, so they can be productive, um, and also all of the people that are patrons. So, yes, we worked collaboratively with... Um, chambers across the country we're networked as many industries have their uh, execs associations or their their associations they rely upon to help share best practices and um, and that represents many different states um, actually every state has a chamber and so we've been been working very closely on can we put together some guidance that, regardless of public mandates, um, can at least serve as a starting point and can start a conversation with businesses around how they can reopen safely. And so, like you mentioned, we created the Open and Safe Playbook, and this includes all industries, pretty much all of them, at least all of the major industries that are represented in our community or our region here. And um, it goes through. What are some things that you need to consider from social distancing to increased sanitation to monitoring your employees' health um, and then other ways to help communicate those, those measures that you're taking to your employees, which is, of course, paramount to ensure that they feel comfortable coming back to work, but also, uh, furthermore, some industries, it's going to be critically important that you communicate your extra efforts to your customers. Um, They need to feel comfortable coming into your space that you are in trust. They're basically entrusting their health and wellness to you. And so I think the more we can communicate what we're doing, uh, first of all, making sure you're doing the right things. And then second of all, communicating the fact that you are doing the right things that you are prioritizing their health and well-being. I think that's going to be essential to to jump-starting local spending again.
1: I think a thing that we're learning with uh, reopening our classrooms and our labs is you set up a plan, but you go in knowing that you're probably going to be tweaking it on a daily basis. Yes. I think that's key is not to get locked into a plan and that like we have several different programs and departments opening just like any other company and that each situation is different too. The safety risks are different in engineering or accounting than they are in machining and automotive. And so, yeah, uh, and you go in and have a a standard plan, but you know that you're going to have to change it and it's worked well for us. Our people have been very flexible, but they have to go in with that mindset that we're going to have to change things. And Dr. Henshaw, our president has been great to work with us to say, we need to move this, uh, in a different area than we would have before.
2: Sorry to interrupt. I
1: was thinking about the things that you were talking about. No, you're you're
2: spot on. You're spot on. I I completely agree. I think you said a couple key things. First of all, having a plan. You know, business owners that are assuming that they can operate the way they did 12 weeks ago uh, before they were forced to close their doors by the government, they should sincerely rethink that um, that is, that's just not going to be possible, uh, for the, for the foreseeable future. Hopefully we'll get beyond this and a vaccine will be created and, and we can have a, we can be able to let our guard down a little bit, but, you know, first and foremost, public health is essential. It's essential to economic health, right? You can't, if you, if, if we have a spike of cases in our community, how can our businesses be successful? It's just not possible. So, um, so you're right. Having a plan is essential. Uh, looking at CDC guidance, also North Carolina Department of Human Health and Human Services, or whatever state, if you're outside of North Carolina, seeking that guidance is essential. Um, if you have an organization that you're a part of, like a chamber, that has released best practice guidance, make sure you're scouring all of that information to pull out what's relevant to you. And, and you also mentioned that, Gary. What's good for me is not going to be good for someone else you know depending upon your industry depending upon the the role of your staff um, and how close in contact they are with each other or are with other people those that guidance is gonna it's gonna change and shift um, One other thing to point out so just a conversation this week uh, I had a, a local employer who said that they have eased into reopening. They've implemented all the guidance, but they had a case of COVID-19 confirmed in their place of business. Well, guess what? They hadn't been monitoring their employees' health, right? So you can increase sanitation. You can, you know, try to do virtual meetings or limit business travel or communicate your plan, and you could still, if you miss one part of it, you're not doing temperature checks or you're not reinforcing. If you don't feel well, you need to stay at home, right? That's excusable. Then something could happen. And, and then to, to that point as well, this virus is so, is so highly contagious. And so at some point, it's not a matter of if, one of your employees can be sick. It's really, um, it could be a matter of when just the likelihood of what we know about this virus. And so I think you can be as prepared as possible, but I think also understanding that, um, you can take the, take the best practices and the most measures, but also knowing how to respond to something, to a case in the event that it does happen. Um, to then prevent or minimize the spread and the uh, disruption of the
0: enterprise. And identifying it as quickly as possible. So you you minimize that spread is is certainly going to be key. And, you know, and and I think that when I I know the guidance that we all are seeing and and certainly, Lindsay, what you and Chambers are preaching are social distance, uh, you know, taking proper precautions of washing hands, using masks when appropriate, and and a lot of retailers and restaurants or whatnot are, are having to look at their store layouts or restaurant layouts to make sure that they're providing proper space to, to make those things happen. Um, you know, from uh, getting the confidence back in your customers to come back and, and communicating to them the things that you're doing, are there any... Any uh, uh, certain ways that people should go about communicating that? I know that one thing that that you've really been uh, focused on is creating this open and safe brand. So I want to talk a little bit about the, the open and safe brand that you've developed and and the the commitment that you're asking local businesses to make to 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 live up to that.
2: Sure, and looking. Leaning into recovery, so shifting our mindset to not, first of all, um, helping them respond and navigate, but now we're looking ahead. You know, as these public mandates are eased and our economies were phasing into reopening, um, we as an organization started identifying what are some key areas that we need to acknowledge um, that are going to prevent us from recovering fast, as fast as, as possible. And two of those areas, one is of course I've, I've, mentioned is, is public, a public health concern. You know, how can we, as people are going out and about as testing continues to increase and contract tracing and contact tracing continues to become more readily, um, available, uh, that's all important, but this the nature of this virus is that it does spread. And so how can we minimize, um, continue to minimize cases in across Catawba County, across our region, uh, to avoid any future economic disruption and also to invo- avoid any il- future illness um, of our citizens? So that was for one concern is public health, minimizing the spread. Second is reducing fear and regaining consumer confidence. Uh, there are a lot of people that are very, very fearful. Um, and in order for businesses to be successful, they need customers. And in order for customers to go out and spend money, they need to f- feel comfortable and confident that where they're going, they're being out and about, that they're not going to contract the, the virus. And so those were two key issues. And so as a response, we said, we need, first of all, we need businesses to implement safe reopening practices, okay? Second of all, we need them to commit to that. And then thirdly, why can't they make a public statement and then allow us to help publicize that statement and notify the general public that they truly are taking extra precaution to protect their... Health and well-being. Um, so the whole concept of open and safe uh, came about. So, like you said, Jeff, we designed a brand and a logo and um, a commitment that they sign off on that they are agreeing to to increase their sanitation. They're they're agreeing to uh, practice safe distancing. They're agreeing to monitor their employees' health. Um, so that is. They sign off on that commitment and then they have access to use the branded materials to reinforce that message to their customers and employees. So we've got swag items. We've got decals and stickers and yard signs that they can then purchase at cost from us and display to help tell that story uh, to to their stakeholders uh, for their business.
1: I think uh, what we've done I feel really good about, I was actually writing notes on what uh, Lindsay was just talking about to kind of see how they, what uh, the chamber and the programs, other companies and organizations are doing compared to what we're doing. And I feel good about what we're doing. We're you know, so committed to, uh, and I know it sounds corny, but making sure everybody's safe first. Every day we start with our directors and say, it is safety first and no matter how well we do with helping our students get through their courses uh, it's really a zero tolerance we make sure that it's all possible that uh, we have no one that gets sick or that we uh, from what we're doing i mean it doesn't matter how many people we get through our classes as i just said a few minutes or graduate if uh, people get sick or that we become part of the problem and send part of the solution
0: Well, I I know you you guys are doing temperature checks for people that
1: come in. Yes. Every person that comes in, faculty, staff, and students come through a checkpoint and uh, they are checked for their uh, temperature. Uh, We ask how they're doing and questions like that, even though that's informal. Uh, The people screening them are wearing gloves, uh, a, a gown. Uh, We everybody wears a mask. It's required. Everybody wears a mask uh, coming into the building if they don't have one, uh, then we're uh, issuing them. Uh, We keep up with everybody that's been screened, Uh, just like we're an amusement park. They wear uh, a colored band for the day. So we make sure that they're getting screened every day. We have one X one, excuse me, one entrance and limited exits. So we make sure that nobody is letting anybody in a side door. And as I said earlier, we're making sure that uh, our students and faculty are educated. We give them forms on all our rules, and then also the uh, different things related to the virus to make sure that they're aware of uh, how they might, if they're feeling differently, some of the symptoms. Of course, they hear it every day on TV, but we're making sure that they know it. And uh, we've had strong support from uh, all the people across our campus, certainly starting with Dr. Henshaw and Dr. Mackey. And I feel really good about what we're doing. And each day gets better because our students uh, know what the procedures are. So they come in and and I can't really thank them enough. I've said it two or three times already. Our students have come back with an awesome attitude toward completing their courses, but they've also been very, very compliant with our rules and regulations. That's great.
2: I want to comment on that as well, Gary. I think it's sounds amazing what you guys have put in place so quickly. Um, I think the, the lesson, the big takeaway for me is what you mentioned about the students and how they are coming back. And, you know, it's certainly an inconvenience to do all these screenings and temperature checks and having to go through all these processes. But something I think we all should acknowledge and those of us that, you know, restaurants are going to be opened up. They're going to have minimal capacity, but they're going to be open. But we can't necessarily walk in and expect it to be the same experience as we had 12 weeks ago before COVID-19. They have certain requirements that they must abide by. Again, it's all for the safety of their patrons and their and their employees. Um, most are going to require reservations because they have to manage this occupancy. Um, I think it's going to, you know, our servers are going to have face masks. So I think just understanding that it's going to be a different experience than what we've been used to, that they are either required or they're trying their best to accommodate us and keep us safe. And so I think there needs to be a message. We need to continue to reinforce patience and empathy and understanding and being considerate of others and being um, uh, like, it, really, I really just want to say patience again, because they're trying to do their best to serve us. Um, and we should we should understand that.
1: I'm glad you mentioned that, because that's talk about the students. They're used to coming into a class at a certain time uh, because of uh, the virus and making sure we have the proper social distancing. They're coming into a classroom or a lab that has maybe a third of the students that they had before. And they also have to make reservations, exactly what you just said, to go to a restaurant. They have to register for certain lab times. Whether we have a morning session from 8 to 12, we have a afternoon session from 1 to 5, and then we have an evening session from 6 to 10. And we actually had to turn a student away at Bandy's High School today. He was trying to get in. He was literally... Uh, waiting to see if somebody wouldn 't show up, uh he handled it very well, but uh again, I go to our students so far so good that they 've really adapted well, and you would not necessarily have thought they would have done as well as they because they're just used to coming into a classroom and assuming everything happens or and but they're adapting to scheduling and reservations, and it happened overnight for them too it 's not like we gave them a big warning that's right.
0: Well, I think the, the way any organization or business manages the the number of people coming in and the spacing is, is sort of is going to be an important factor. Lindsay, are you seeing any other best practices out there from from local businesses or other businesses that are assisting them as they as they go through this reopen process? I mean, I know I I sort of assume that that many businesses have adjusted during this period of time. I know if if you're a restaurant, you're probably have developed uh, a a takeout business that perhaps you didn't have before that might continue to be an important part of your business, but are there, are there certain practices you're seeing that uh, people can learn from?
2: Yes. I've seen our business community change so quickly and adapt to this new normal and this situation uh, of hyper change like you said Jeff just starting with starting with the restaurants i mean turning on a dime you know their their industry is completely reliant upon the experience right we we go to have a nice meal but we go to have a good experience and the atmosphere and that was robbed from them with these public mandates and so they've had to to kind of rethink what does an experience look like with our restaurant, and how can we deliver a good meal, but also have customers talking about how well uh, we executed that. And so, I've seen lots of mobile apps. I've seen deli- free deliveries. I've seen um, I've seen restaurants to play live music while people are picking up their food. I mean, that's. Just some really cr- awesome creativity uh, that I've seen for a restaurant community. Um, I've, I I want to mention reservations again. I think you're going to see from now on, particularly independently owned restaurants, you're going to see reservation systems that they're either going to require or strongly suggest if you don't want to wait, um, that they're going to be using. So I've seen a lot of that happening already. Uh, let me shift gears from restaurants to retail. I've seen our retailers really step up and uh, implement some very interesting practices. From you know marking the floor with six feet distance so that those waiting in line to pay uh, or those interacting with the cashier that they re- they keep that six foot distance. Uh, I've seen. Other signage to control traffic flow through a store, even our small gift shops or, you know, clothing boutiques, they're saying, you know, go this way, take a left and work your way around so that, you know, people are not, you know, overlapping as they're navigating their way through the store. I've also seen some boutiques and retailers implement private shopping hours. So maybe it's out, outside of their normal hours of operation for those that are more vulnerable or those that don't are uncomfortable shopping online, but they still want to maintain um, social distance and uh, ensure their safety. I've seen our, some small boutiques offer private shopping experiences. Um, so that's to me really, really innovative. Um, I've seen a lot of cash free, right? cashless transactions or contactless transactions implemented, something that maybe businesses weren't doing before, have uh, acquired wireless card readers, or they've acquired uh, apps, you know, FinTech sort of apps where be- people can pe- prepay online. Um,
1: That's kind I've of seen... what they do at Outback and many of the restaurants now. Is that yes. what you're talking about?
2: Yeah. Yeah. So some of the larger chains that have mm. been doing this for some time, maybe they smaller, smaller guys are, um, or pend- independently owned guys are now implementing those things. Facebook live sales, seen lots of those. I've seen some of our small businesses that only had in-store shopping. I've seen them prop up websites in 48 hours for e-commerce sites to make their products available online. Lots and lots of stuff. I could go on and on, Jeff. I don't know how much more you want me to say, but um, they've been extremely adaptable and have been very, very intentional about keeping their employees and customers safe.
0: Well, well I, Lindsay, I've always uh, admired the fact that you are you are a very out-of-the-box thinker and, and willing to try new and different things. and And I think that's sort of exemplifies what many of our businesses are having to go through right now and and they're going to be there are going to be some things that they find that are going to be very uh, useful and profitable for them uh, on an ongoing basis so so it's uh, you know it's just a, it's a new world and, and we're all adapting to it so we really appreciate you sharing uh, lots of thoughts if people want to find out more about the the open and safe program that you've developed in the Catawba chamber where should they be looking
2: Thank you. And first of all, thanks for thanks for your compliments. Um, it's certainly hum- a humbling privilege to serve in this role. Uh, if you want to find out about the Open and Safe Commitment, and Gary, I want CBCC to be an open and safe partner. So if you go on our website, catawbachamber.org, click at the very top, there's an Open and Safe logo, and it says, click here to see open and safe businesses and also to make the Open and Safe Commitment. Super, super easy. The most, the most complicated part is to make sure you're actually implementing the measures that you're committing to, but the, making the commitment pieces super easy and super fast. Um, and then you can select a package. You can either do a free option, free and open to all businesses, uh, just to say, I want to make this commitment and I want to receive a placard to display in, our biz- in my business. Um, you can do that or like I mentioned before, we've got the swag available. So you can get a yard sign or a decal to put in your window or storefront storefront um, or some stickers that you can put on to go boxes or employee uniforms or, you know, employee packets uh, to ensure to remind them that you're trying your best to keep them safe. So probably well, backslash open and safe is the direct link.
0: Yeah. And, and even if you want to buy some of the swag, the prices are are very reasonable. I think, Gary, you can even convince our college's CFO to to, to spring for a little bit of it.
1: Well, I'm pretty confident. Dr. Henshaw I'll say yes.
0: Okay. <laughs> well, it goes go straight to the top. That's the way to do it. Great.
1: Lindsay, thank you. There's a so- lot of confidence in Lindsay and you.
0: We're, we're, Lindsay, we're not done with you because, uh, you know, we always want our guests oh, yeah. to play. Uh, to, to, we have a lightning round. Are you going nice. to be up Round?
2: sure let's do it
0: all right well we have a new sponsor for our lightning round this this week this month it's uh this month is sponsored by by bushwood country club if you're a one percenter we're still open still accepting memberships due to the pandemic caddy day which was scheduled for one o'clock to one fifteen next friday has been canceled bushwood country club check it out on the internet Lindsay, are you ready for some quick uh lightning round questions
2: Sure. Let's do it. Okay. you're not.
0: All right. When you get out of your safer at home mandate, what is your first vacation spot going to be?
2: It's truly going to be Myrtle beach.
0: You've got kids. You've got young kids.
2: We've got kid. I've got kids. They love it. We love it. So we'll have a really, hopefully a really good time. Um, And, and, you know, be as safe as we can possibly be.
0: Okay. Question number two, is a hot dog a sandwich?
2: No, it's a hot dog.
0: Good answer. Next question, Taylor Swift or Harry Styles?
2: Taylor Swift.
0: Favorite quarantine comfort food?
2: Um, I'm not, it's not necessarily unique to quarantine, but my favorite comfort food would be biscuits and gravy, says any Southern Belle.
1: Okay. I like that too. <laughs> I I, I want to know I'm
0: I'm interested in your answer to this Steve Jobs, Bill Gates or Jeff Bezos.
2: Oh, um that's a hard one. I'm going to say I'm going to say Steve Jobs. I've got a quote from Steve Jobs in my office and it's about vision and I'm I'm big on that, so I'm going to say Steve for this one.
1: Can I answer that one to Jeff? Okay, Gary. Job too, because you give me a hard time wearing black turtlenecks.
0: Ah, that's right. This is true. You're twin. That's Even true. in the summertime, you wear black turtlenecks. Go. I'm for wearing it. it now. All right, favorite Lindsay, back to you. Yes. Favorite favorite ice cream flavor. Uh, chocolate. Duh. Okay. <laughs> uh, shelter in place TV or movie streaming recommendation.
2: All right, so one that i'm proud of or one that i'm not proud of
0: there's no right answers <laughs> no right answers no right
1: answer.
2: i did i did watch tiger king and i can't unwatch it so i'll admit that but um outer banks outer banks was really good but i'll say let me let me say the most one i'm most proud of was becoming a by a documentary about michelle obama
0: okay uh, my, my wife has seen that. I have not yet, but it, uh, she, she also recommends it.
2: Very good. Last,
0: last question. If you could have one superpower, what would it be?
2: I am going to say the ability to, oh, I want to be a fly on the wall.
0: <laughs> okay. So, so you, maybe
2: that's being invisible and being able to sneak up and eavesdrop on like really cool conversations.
0: We'll, we'll think of a good way to characterize that. We'll probably give you grief in the future for that one. So, all right. Well, you thank you for playing our lightning round. Thank you for being a guest and and uh, tell people one more time where they can find out information about the, the, the Catawba Chamber and uh, the Safe and Open Program, Open and Safe Program.
2: Catawbachamber.org backslash opened and safe
0: okay thank you what well, the at the end of our podcast we always like to highlight some some businesses that we've come across and and Lindsay I think that uh, you've got one that you wanted to give a shout out to who's who's your small business that you'd like to feature this month
2: yeah so I ended up actually interviewed him yesterday for uh, we we streamed a QA through our Facebook page Scott Regenbogen. He's the founder of Regenbogen Studios. Um, this guy is incredible. His business specifically is, if you've got an idea or if you have a problem, uh, he'll 3D print it. He'll 3D print a solution. And so truly anything, um, he he does CAD modeling and he will produce it on a 3D printer. Um, he also has a laser, laser etching machines and things like that. Um, but because we're talking about COVID-19, something that he's done remarkable uh, this remarkable thing he's done, he has begun to 3D print face shields. And he sent his first order of several dozen to, I believe it was a it's a hospital in New York City. So those that are truly fighting on the this front lines of this pandemic, um, he has provided them with valued and needed PPE to help them do that.
1: All right. Yeah. right. We also need that in uh, our reopening plan because we're using it for, we'd we'll be using them in many of our uh, programs such as welding, automotive, and engineering.
2: Yes. And make sure we that did.
1: first uh, responders have them first, but it's something that uh, is in high demand for many of us that are reopening our businesses.
2: Well, look him up, Gary. He's uh, at Reagan Bogan Studios.
1: Yep.
0: He's, Thank he's you Logan very much. Okay. Gary, what's, uh, what's your small business this month?
1: Thanks, Jeff. I want to highlight a small business person that you know very well. His name is Stephen Rhodes, our CVCC machining program director, who has owned his own machine shop for almost 20 years. And he started it from the ground up and it's, built it into a very nice business. He also started a successful barbecue restaurant called cafe 74 along the way steven's got strong work ethic positive attitude he doesn't know the words can't or won't in his vocabulary which has helped us a lot in our reopening He is truly an entrepreneur heart and he has the belief that he can make anything work and he usually does five years ago we were lucky enough to bring his skills to cvcc when i asked him to become the director of our machining program it was a big step for him because He was a business person that didn't have that academic background, but we both believed that he would be able to do it because of his passion for getting good machinists back into industry. And I can say he's exceeded our expectations for our program. It's thriving. He's become an excellent partner for our community businesses. In his spare time, he started another Christian based barbecue business called dry bones barbecue. And he's doing all these things while he's working 50, 60 hours a week for CVCC and our machining program. Wow. But he's truly an entrepreneur uh, with all the things that he's doing outside of school.
0: Well, super. You know, and yeah, you know, Gary, I've heard that if you give people a shout out on our podcast, it's almost as good as giving them, giving them a raise. I don't know if you have to give them a raise now.
1: Well, I'll give him my notes. Maybe that would be good. You think that would fit instead of a raise?
0: Definitely. He's very fortunate for that. There you go. (laughs) Um, so my small business of the month this week, I was I, I think I saw it come across a, a business North Carolina email, but it's a, a Charlotte-based wedding planner. It's called Bustled B-U-S-T-L-D, and they've taken a different approach to um uh, wedding services during the pandemic with the stay-at-home orders and events limited to 10 people or fewer, uh, which is improving, but that's where it's been in North Carolina, it's nearly impossible for brides and grooms to have the wedding of their dreams, at least for now. And a lot of people have been having to postpone their weddings. So, uh, Bustle created something called Love Stream, a virtual wedding service to help couples safely celebrate with family and friends without having to postpone their weddings. Guests can live stream into the wedding through a custom link and... There's, an, there's on-call tech support to help them if they're having any issues. They can submit comments and messages of support while watching the virtual ceremony. Uh, one of the owners is a woman named Sammy Roberts. She said we saw there was a need for a product that would bring family and friends together to celebrate without it feeling like another virtual work meeting. So LoveStream allows every guest to watch the ceremony and all the big moments from the comfort and safety of their couch through a high-definition, high-quality live stream. Uh, There are add-ons, equipment rental, virtual guest book, custom slideshows, interactive virtual receptions, virtual wedding planning sessions, um, all sorts of cool stuff out there. If you go to bustled, B-U-S-T-L-D.com, you can learn more about uh, them and just sort of another story of how people are adapting to uh, the current situation and, and finding opportunities out there. So That's
1: wild. Very cool. Check Very it cool. out.
0: So, Well, we uh, if you've got a suggestion for our Entrepreneur Exchange Small Business of the Month, you can email them to us at eexchange at the mesh.tv. We want to thank Lindsay Keesler with the Chamber of Catawba County for joining us today. Thank you so much, Lindsay. Thanks, Thanks Lindsay.
2: Thanks so much.
0: We want to thank the Mesh Podcast Network. Uh, you should all go to the TV and see all the cool podcasts going on at The Mesh, from technical support to movies and entertainment. And uh, podcasting is a good way to be spending some time these days. So go out there and check out things going on at the TheMesh.tv and subscribe to your favorite podcast. Uh, we wish everyone well and good health. And we look forward to talking with you again next month on the Entrepreneur Exchange. Have a good one. Take care, Carly.